This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. I'll invite you to turn your Bibles with me to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. We uh, started a series last Sunday morning on the Believer's Authority, and we'd like to continue with that. Genesis 1, 26 and God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over every creeping thing that creepeth on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. It is without dispute, there's certainly disagreement, or fail to recognize this in the modern-day church. But it is without dispute that the Bible clearly tells us that God made man for one purpose, and that is for him to have authority over the earth. Now, the Bible tells us about how God created the earth. Ten times in this first chapter of Genesis, it says, and God said, and it was so. It's telling us that God made man in his own image an exact duplication in kind from God himself. Now that certainly may include likeness and appearance, but the real most significant part, part of that is that he created man to operate as he does himself. He created man to exercise authority and utilize authority through his words, just as God had also. Now look with me to chapter two. We'll begin in verse seven. This is telling us how God made man. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man who he, who he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I'll skip down to... Verse 15, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Now skip with me over to chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God does know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as God's knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now folks, I used to be troubled or at least curious, about why in the world did Eve fall? What was Satan offering her 
that became the temptation that she was willing to act on and lose everything that she had. And then the Lord showed me 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse 2 starts off and it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse says, According, he had, according as he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that leadeth us to glory and virtue. Verse 4, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these, talking about through the word, that by these we may be partakers of the divine nature. The last phrase of that verse says, having escaped the corruption of the world that is in the world through lust. It's telling us what started sin. It's telling us what created the situation where spiritual death passed upon all men, and he calls it lust. It's lust that caused Eve to fall and to disobey God. Now, the word lust is used in sexual connotations uh, a number of times in the Bible. And so I think most everybody associates the word lust with just sexual sin or sexual temptation. But the word lust just simply means inordinate or improper desire. It doesn't mean just lusting where it comes to sex. Lust is a desire for anything more than a desire for God. And so when the serpent told Eve that eating of the forbidden fruit would make her to be as God, knowing good and evil. That's something she wanted. It's something she desired. It's something that she had enough of a desire or developed enough of a desire in to disobey God. Let me get back over to, to where we were in Genesis chapter 3. And I want you to see some verses Verse 5, it says, for God does know, here's what the, the devil uh, tempted her with. And notice the devil didn't have access to the earth without a physical body. He had to take over the body of a serpent because it's man that has been given authority on the earth. He had no entrance whatsoever until he usurped the body of the serpent and operated through him. And he said... God knows that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Again, verse 6, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food. It looks like the Bible's telling us she never really paid attention to it until now. But when she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree that was desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. She developed a desire, an inordinate and an improper desire for what God told her she should not have. Now, here's the question that we need to uh, ask, or at least one of them, concerning the fall. And that is, was God trying to keep anything from her? See, here's the place where the devil always tries to, to work on your thinking and my thinking. He tries to reason with us to tell us or to tempt us or to influence us to think that the rules that are in the Bible and the things that the Bible says what we should do and what we should not do, they're causing you to miss out on something. Well, in this case, God did want Eve to miss out on something, but not anything that was good for her. He wanted her to miss out on the things that would bring heartache and destruction to their lives. We're that way with our kids, aren't we? 
We want our kids to miss out on all the things that the world has for them that will lead them to destruction and rob from them. What do our kids think? They think we don't want them to have any fun. But God was trying to protect his creation. Now I want you to look with me and see some similarities to some things. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14. I'm going to start reading in verse 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? You know that Lucifer was the name that Satan had before the fall, before his fall, before his rebellion against God. So it says, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. They that see thee narrowly shall look upon thee. They that see thee shall narrowly look upon thee and consider thee, saying, Is this the man that made the earth to tremble and did shake kingdoms? that made the world as a wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of all of his prisoners. I want you to notice that the Bible is talking about Satan and the condition that he began in when he was Lucifer. He was given a place of authority. Look with me over to Ezekiel chapter 28. Let's see some other things that the Bible says about him. Beginning in verse 11, it says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden. So he's not talking to a man. He's talking to Satan, or speaking about him. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou was created. Apparently he had something to do with music or worship. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. He's talking about things that no man has ever participated in. But he's letting us know that Satan had a position of authority. He had a position where he was responsible to God for others under his charge. Verse 15, it says, Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created, till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise they have filled thee, the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore... I don't know if you noticed this or not, but over in uh, Isaiah 14, there were five things that Satan said he will to do. I will exalt my throne above the heavens. I will be like God. Now God's going to say five things about what he's going to do to him, to Satan. Therefore will I cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom. By reason of thy brightness, I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings, that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries. 
by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee, and it shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. And all they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be any more. I want you to notice a couple of uh, verses, particularly the wording. In verse 16, see the word merchandise? And in verse 18, the word traffic. Those are the same Hebrew words. And it's, uh, it's a little difficult to, to uh, um, translate because it seems that the, uh, the uh, translators did not understand the history of the earth. This word merchandise or mer word traffic means business. It's translated as commerce. It's translated as trading in other translations of the scripture. It's telling us that there was one thing that caused Satan to sin. There was one original sin for him. It says by the merchandise or the traffic, by the multitude of merchandise, they have filled the, the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. The thing that led Satan to sin, Lucifer to sin and to fall and rebel against God, was a lust for money. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body, as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Faith begins where the will of God is known. It's discovering God's will in your situation. And folks, some situations are clear-cut. Healing for the physical body is clear-cut. That Jesus was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities. Tell us that he took stripes upon his back, and by those stripes we were healed. He bore our griefs and carried our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive, just minutes off the 5 Freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to MikeWeb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. Now, where it says that the, the merchandise and the trading and the business and the commerce, whichever word you want to use, when it says those things took place, it says, it's telling us that there was something that Satan was in charge of. There was something that, that Lucifer was leading and had a certain degree of authority over. It's talking about trading with the nations. It's talking about the commerce of nations. It's talking about something that happened before the Genesis creation account. It's telling us that Satan brought the cities or created the cities, made the cities into wildernesses. Well, he's destroying a lot of things here on the earth, but he's not making cities wilderness. It's talking about something that happened before God recreated the earth and put man in the middle of it. You know how um, uh, over in uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all evil. That's always perplexed me, or used to anyway, because I know that there are a lot of sins that don't have anything to do with love of money. So how can the love of money be the root of all evil? I think it could well be translated the love of money is the origin of all evil because that's what Satan, Lucifer, was caught up in. Because of who he was, 
because of his brightness, because of his trafficking, he began to operate, uh, other translations say things like, he began to operate sinfully against those that he had business dealings with. Something to that effect. He wanted more. And it brought him to the place where he said that he would exalt himself above God. Now, here's what I want you to see out of this. Notice the similarities between Satan's sin and the temptation that he brought to Egypt. It seems to me that if either one of them had known their place with God, they could have avoided rebelling against God in, in Satan's case and falling into sin in, in Eve's. She was made like God. She was as much like God as you could be. What more did she want? Well, the temptation deceived her into thinking there was something more for her to have that God was withholding from her. Anything that you desire more than God is something that you lust for. And what caused or what happened as a result of the fall? Well, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3 and see again, read again what the Bible says happened and what took place. Verse 6 again, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to make them and a tree to be desired to the eyes. I'm sorry. I'm all over the place this morning. Let me start again with verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree that was desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Notice the next phrase in verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened. The eyes of them both were opened. And they saw they were naked, and they were ashamed. So they tried to fashion clothes for themselves. The eyes of them both were opened. Now let me ask you this. What were their eyes closed to originally? What does it mean when it says the eyes of them both were opened? The Bible tells us that, that certain things happen, certain things change with the fall. They did die that day, just like God said. But it wasn't physical death, it was spiritual death. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore is by one man sin entered the world, and death by sin, and so that death passed upon all men. That was the beginning or the entrance of spiritual death. And that spiritual death that then began to take hold of mankind changed a lot of things. James chapter 3 tells us about how the tongue changed. It tells us about how the tongue is a deadly poison. No man can tame it, and it's set on fire by the, uh, the, it sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Well, that's not the way God created the tongue to be. When God made man, looked everything over and said, this is very good, he is in effect saying that things are perfect. Well, then the tongue would have to be perfect too. But at the fall, man lost control of the tongue. And this is significant because of the fact that since God made man to have authority on the earth, had created man to operate as he, God, did, even in creation, then the will of the man was exercised by the words that he spoke. So if he's lost control of his tongue, 
He cannot effectively exercise his authority, at least in a godly manner. But other things had to change too. Where it says their eyes were opened, it means that there was a change that took place in what they saw. But this word, eyes are open, the phrase eyes being opened or what they saw is used throughout Scripture in different ways. For example, the Bible says that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. Well, the word sight there is a summary of the five physical senses. It's not just talking about we walk by things we see or shouldn't walk by things that we see when it contradicts the Word. It's talking about we shouldn't walk by anything that we feel too, isn't it? If it contradicts the Word. See, if their eyes were open to the physical realm, if the eyes were open to the, to the, the fact that they were naked, then that means, since nothing changed, as we've said before, it's not like clothes fell off of them. But if they weren't aware of it before, then they must have had access to see something else. Let me approach it from a different way. We've just seen what God commanded them to do. He commanded them to dress and keep the garden. In other words, exercise authority over the, the uh, earth, as Genesis 126 says. And they were supposed to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we know that in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Here's a question for you. Why is there not one mention of the word faith or one bit of instruction given to man before the fall concerning faith? God never changes. If it's impossible to please God without faith now, then it was always impossible to please God without faith. So why is there no instruction about faith? You can't say that it wasn't important because Jesus taught a lot about faith. He never changes either. So if faith is important now, why was there no instruction given to Adam and Eve about faith? Folks, there's a very easy answer for that. And that is, you don't need faith for what you can see. Faith is the evidence of things not seen. Let me ask it a different way. When did the unseen realm start becoming unseen? Why would it make any sense for in any way whatsoever for God to create the earth, or literally recreate the earth, take it from a position of being without form and void, which I personally, you decide, you judge this for yourself. But personally, I believe that's what it's talking about in um, Ezekiel chapter 28 about made the world a wilderness. I believe Satan was the one through his actions and through being cast out of heaven when he was rebelling against God with a third of the angels. I believe that's what caused the earth to be without form and void. There was something here before then. What? We don't know. But what we do know from the scripture is that it includes merchandise or commerce or business. Folks, there's something you need to know, and that is God is not a socialist. He's a capitalist. He gave talents in different measures to his children, and he expected them to do something with it. 
and he rewarded them based on the merit of what they did. The guy that had five turned it into ten. The guy that had two turned it into five. The guy that had one wrapped it in a napkin and buried it. The only one he was displeased with was the one that buried his talent. God's very much a capitalist. And there was some kind of system here on the earth before Adam and Eve over which Satan exercised some authority or some degree of authority in what the Bible describes to us about him. So again, when did the unseen realm start being unseen? Why would it make any sense for God to create man an exact duplicate in kind of himself, the greatest of his creation? He didn't make anything else in his image. Man was what he made in his image. Why put man here, give him authority over the earth, and then hide yourself from him? He didn't. Folks, I firmly believe that the Bible tells us that when their eyes were opened to the physical realm, their spiritual eyes were shut to the spirit realm. Let me show you another example that's similar to this, only in reverse. Look with me over to uh, 2 Kings chapter 6. I don't want to spend a lot of time on the story, but basically it comes down to this. It tells us about Elisha warning the king of Israel against the king of Syria's plans. And he did that several times. God would reveal to him what the, the Israel's enemies were going to do, and he would warn the king, and the king would prepare himself and avoid the attacks of the enemy. And so the enemy king decides that he's going to go capture Elisha. Now, folks, the Bible shows how stupid people are. What is the king of Syria going to think? This prophet is shown by God of the things that I'm going to do, but I know I'll go catch him. Like God wouldn't show him that. So anyway, this starts taking place, and Elisha's servant sees how many of the enemy armies are arrayed against him, just he and Elisha. And Elisha answers in verse 16, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16, Elisha answered his servant and said, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. Now let me ask you a question. Did these chariots just show up when his eyes were open, or were they there all the time? Well, they had to have been there all the time because Elisha knew they were there. How did he know they were there? Did he see them? We don't have any indication that he did. But he was sure of what was there. So here's my question. How is it if God doesn't want man to see the spirit realm, then why did he grant Elisha's request to open the young man's eyes? The Bible says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The greater one lives in you. What is he doing in there? He's there to strengthen you. He's there to help you. Rely on the help of the Holy Ghost in everything that you do. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church.
This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. No wonder Paul prayed that our eyes would be open to this stuff. But again, notice the theme. That your eyes will be open to the truth, the reality of the unseen realm. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.